Hey friends, and welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam Vanderbilen, and today we're talking all about how you have to do the work to be great at something, and maybe we don't all have to, I don't know, we don't all have to follow our passions, but also I think sometimes we think we really want something when if we really sat with ourselves, we realize that we we don't or we're not willing to do the work to become it. So I feel like social media has made it feel like or look like it's really easy to do whatever you want. Like we all sell this idea of like, you can do anything. Like you can start a business from anywhere. All you need is a laptop and an internet connection or whatever. And on the one hand, it's true that it's a lot easier and that there are easier ways to start a business than there used to be. Because now, yes, if you are privileged enough to have a phone, like, first of all, I like to check the idea that like everybody has a phone, let alone everyone has a smartphone or internet access. But, you know, if you have a phone that also has really good camera quality that like what these things cost, like, I don't know, thousands of dollars, over a thousand dollars, I think for this phone, it's ridiculous. So, you know, yes, if you have that and have all the other things and then have like a lot of other things that society deems to be, uh, I don't know, bingeable and viral and all of these kinds of things, then yes, technically speaking, we can make like a video, you can make a, or make a business out of posting a bunch of videos, um, even videos that are seamless, like seemingly about nothing, right? So yeah, it's true. On the one hand, there it is a lot easier to get started. Um, even from a business perspective, like it's so much easier that then like if I wanted to start a bakery, you know, I need to find space, then lease that space, have enough money to lease that space, outfit that space, get all the insurance, hire employees because you can't do that kind of thing alone. Like, you know, have all the inventory, all the licensing, like all the stuff. It's it's a lot. And it takes like a long time, months, years to get that off the ground while you're not making money, right? So the cool thing about an online business is Sure, we don't have a lot of operating expenses, not nearly as much like when I started. I had very, very little operating expenses. Now my expenses are really high. Like the expenses go up with the more money the business makes if if that's what you want to do, right? That's my choice. But it, it can be so much more like doable to start this kind of business because we don't have to do all those things. You don't have to get space. You don't have to have a lease. You don't even have to have an office, right? You can do this from your couch. And so that's that is definitely true. On the other hand, though, it it's also made it look like it's super easy, right? Because of being like, you don't need an office, you don't need this, you don't need that. It's gone a little too far on the one hand where people are like, you also don't need to be qualified. Like people aren't saying that straight up, but they're just being like, you don't even have to go to four years of getting this kind of schooling. Like, just do this, like just talk about this. So we've made it a little too easy in that respect, but we've also made the success part, I think, look a little easy. And I'm not saying everyone's doing this like on purpose. There are some people obviously who it's part of their business model to like market to you how easy their lives are and therefore you should buy their thing. But, you know, for the most part, other people are just kind of sharing the day-to-day of what's going on in their life or their business. And sometimes we put our own story on that right? Like we, we just put our own thing of like, oh, look how easy it is for them, right? Look how she could just be out doing whatever she wants and, you know, and, and running this business. They don't have to do this thing that I have to do. So therefore they're just living it easy. You know, it's, it's, it makes it easy to even put our own like spin and lens on it. But what I have found 
in my experience is that it's easy to want the result of something, like the end result. You can look at the chapter 12 and say, I really want the ending of that story. But what we probably don't know, for one, we don't know if that's the true story, the real story when it comes to social media. But even in general, like even if you're looking at somebody and being like, I want to be a food blogger because like they just have the life. Like they literally get to just make recipes all day long. That's their job. And it seems so fun and so easy. And I can simultaneously like want to be the food blogger because I see the end result of a, of being a successful food blogger where now they have fantastic video production and they've gotten really good with their food skills and like cooking skills and um, plating and styling, food styling and how like they present their content. And then I see a million comments on it and I'm like, oh, I would just love to post a picture of the thing that I cooked and have like all these people just loving it and wanting to make my food. It's easy to want the results of something, but not be willing to do the work to get there or to have the patience and the tenacity, frankly, to go through the stuff that they've gone through probably to get there. So let me give you a little funny example of something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. So I went to, in case you don't know, the U.S. Open is, uh, you know, one of the Grand Slams for tennis, and there there are several, like, throughout the year, you know, it's the, one, the Australian Open in January, kicks things off, and then, like, the one in New York is the U.S. Open. It starts the last several days of August, goes into the beginning of September, and that's kind of the end of the Grand Slam season for tennis. So every single year it's in New York. It's a really big deal. It's like a who's who of, of New York, like, celebrities, um, unlike a lot of the other opens, it's, it's like a really wild crowd, like really like loud and energetic and all the other ones like Wimbledon, you have to be like super quiet and like people wear all white, well, the players wear all white and like all the, it's very much more stuffy. Right. So anywho, go to the U S open this year and I decided to go to two different days. So we went to one of the first days, which is really cool because when you go to the U S open on the, the first and second round, you just get to like walk around the grounds of of the facility of the Billie Jean King facility and there are courts everywhere. It's like as far as the eye can see, there are courts and you'll just walk by a court and somebody like really famous in the tennis world is playing and you also get to see people who are like up and coming. I also got to see a lot of people who were unranked, who were beating people who were like really highly ranked in the world. So it was really cool. And this one uh, matchup that Ryan wanted to see was completely packed. Like you couldn't even get into the stadium anymore or to the bleachers to get um, to watch this game. And so we walked to the court that was like right next to it because we had the (laughs) the bright idea that like when you would climb the bleachers of the stadium that was right next to it, if you stood all the way at the top of the bleachers, you could actually see down and into the game that we were trying to get into that was um, completely full. So we get up there and I'm not, as I always say, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm just afraid of the difference between where I'm at and the proximity of the ground. (laughs) And Ryan's always like, yeah, that's, that's called a fear of heights. So I'm just like, no, no, I'm not afraid. It's just that, um, because we've like gone all over the world and hiked and climbed and been all over these things. And I, I do it. I just don't love it. Um, I don't love looking down and seeing how far it is. So I was like, very nervously standing at the top of this, um, these bleachers overlooking the stadium everybody wanted to get into. And, um, and I, I, this group of guys comes up behind me 
And I only noticed this because I was feeling so nervous that I don't then like when more and more people kind of like approach you and it felt like they were like closing in or like pushing me against the the um railing and I didn't I didn't want to be there. <laughs> and so this is why this is why I remember and I was paying attention. And so this group of guys, um, as I will I will just for the pure sake of description, call them Wall Street bros. There are a lot of Wall Street bros at uh the US Open. And so this like group of Wall Street bros kind of walks up behind me and they're all talking about the guy that we were playing. So it turns out actually that the guy who was on the court, I didn't know it at the time, but the guy who was on the court that we were all trying to see was Medvedev who ended up playing in the finals, the men's finals against Djokovic. So he's an incredible player. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's number three in the world or he was at the time of the open. And so, uh, these guys were all talking about him and how, you know, good he was and whatever. And this one guy says, well, yeah, if we were all 25 and flexible, then we would have been there too. And I just like couldn't help but bust out laughing. By the way, this guy was dead serious. Like he was not joking. <laughs> he was not joking. And I just, I just like started giggling like this, just being like, are you serious? Like you can't really think that, right? So yeah, he really thought that if he was 25, that the difference between him and Medvedev who's the one of the greatest players in the world and who ended up making it to the finals was that Medvedev is 25 and flexible by his own description. So um, I just thought this was so funny because I was like, it's not like, wow, what a, what an incredibly convenient way to look at it. And like, when I look at them, I think like, I would love to be, I'd love to be Serena, right? Like I'd love to be out there kicking ass, like just winning all these tennis matches, being so famous for tennis. Like I think to be like famous for being incredible at your sport, like to be so skilled and to be like the best at your, at your level of what you do, I think is so cool the opportunities that they get, like the travel, all of the, like the different sponsorships, the people they get to meet. Like, I don't know, even like the lifestyle, I'm like, oh, I'd love to like wake up in the morning and train. And like that, that's my job is to like work out and eat well. And, and obviously she has the resources now to like be supported. And I'm just like, what an incredible life. Right. I also know that if I really knew what it was like, that I would absolutely not do it, right? I wouldn't do it. And not to mention, like, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of, like, I feel like sub factors here that we're not talking about that are, like, opportunity and privilege and, like, pure talent, like, raw talent and skill. Like, some people are just, like, naturally very gifted at this. Other people have to work at it. Other people have to uncover this natural gift. Obviously, there's a lot to be said for, like, privilege and opportunity, especially in a sport like tennis. It's very expensive. It doesn't tend to be available to everyone. There aren't tennis courts everywhere. So, you know, that kind of stuff. So there are a lot of those things too, but I also think like if I had to, if I could be a fly on the wall for all the times when Serena, for example, was young and had to wake up super early and not hang out with her friends and be sore and have injuries and be getting really probably tough feedback and having hard losses and like doubting herself and questioning and being, having so much pressure on her from a young age and like thinking about working out at that age and like wanting to get better. And then just like the sheer amount of like repetition and dedication and practice and sacrifices and having to bet on herself. I'm like, actually I couldn't, like I, I, it's not that I couldn't do it. I didn't. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would. Right. 
Um, and, and that's the difference is like, I can want the result. I can want to be like, yeah, it would be so fun to like drop into Serena to be Serena for one day. You know, that would be so cool. But I, the truth is I couldn't and wouldn't do the, the stuff that it would require to get there. The example I used earlier about a food blogger is not a, not a funny example for me because that really was something that I wanted to do. I did want to be a food blogger. I even a chef, right? I'm like, Oh, like I even thought about like, I wanted to go to culinary school, but then use those skills to be, to do more like content creation. But when push came to shove and I started a food blog and I started going down that path, I was like, I don't want to do this. It was exhausting. I didn't like it. I didn't want to photograph everything that I was eating. Like I wanted to cook a recipe. I wanted to, I didn't want to document it. I didn't want to test it over and over and over again to make sure it was actually good for people. Right. I didn't want to explain every single step. Like just showing a picture of my end thing was like fun for me. I wasn't willing to do the things necessary that would, that would be like required to become a food blogger, a successful food blogger. I wouldn't want to like work my way up the ranks. I wouldn't want to deal with having to see like all these other people having, you know, much more success at it. I wouldn't want to post for years and years and years for things to flop until one day, you know, people finally started picking up on it. Like when I think about that stuff, I'm just like, no, that doesn't seem worth the work. So I can sit here and say, yeah, I want to be a famous food blogger. That would be like my dream job. But the truth is I wouldn't be willing to do what it would take to become that. And I think that to be something, to do something, to build a business, you can't just want the end result of it, you know, like to be a player in the U.S. Open, for example. It comes with the whole package, the practices, the repetition, the sacrifice, the injuries, the repetition again, the coaching, the feedback, the criticism, the self-doubt, having to overcome the self-doubt, the obstacles, waiting your turn, falling from grace, getting back up again. Like, I think it's really interesting to think about that when it comes to your business is like, are you building something because you're really wanting the outcome? Like you hope for this like end thing, but are you willing to do the work between now and then that it really takes to get there? Right. Um, or are you willing to make sacrifices to not be like, you can want to build a great coaching business, but be like, you know, as long as you're not looking at Amy Porterfield and saying, I'm here to build that business. That's the only thing I want to do. Well, are you willing to do all the things that Amy has probably done in her life for now, I think like over a decade that she's been in business, all the things that she's probably had to do, all the things she's still doing, all the sacrifices that she made, all the hard work, all the times when nobody cared about what she was doing or saying or writing, right? Or do you just want to be like the end result of somebody like Amy, right? I think that's a really, really important question. I think if you really want it, you have to want the whole thing, not just the outcome because then it's just not worth, it's not something worth chasing. And like for me with the food blogger stuff, I realized that food, food is cooking is a passion for me. That doesn't have to be my career. That doesn't have to be the thing that I share with the world. Right. And I do love food and that's why, and I love cooking so much. And that's why my instinct was like, this is what I want to dedicate my life to. But I was getting my my wires crossed that like my life had to be dedicated to a passion or work had to be dedicated to my passion or vice versa. And I realized more that I could create a business that I really like. Like I really, really enjoy what I do. And I like, I'm fortunate that I like the parts of what I do, right? Like I love podcasting. I love writing. I love um, like helping people solve problems, like making things simpler. 
So I love the nuts and bolts of what I do. And having built such a great business has allowed me to chase down my passions for food, like separately and aside from my business, right? As soon as I can, hopefully very, very soon, I'm signing up for, I've talked about this before, but I was supposed to go to culinary school in Ireland at Balamaloo, which is like the cookery of all cookery schools to go to. It's like on a working farm and you live in a cottage. It's like the best experience ever. I was supposed to go during COVID. I was like booked and paid and everything. Obviously it got canceled several times over and I have not gotten around to rescheduling because of my parents. And so I am rescheduling that. Like this business has allowed me to be able to do things like that. Right. But that doesn't have to be my job. And I think we can have like a lot of dreams that are just kind of fun dreams too, by the way. Like I think still in my mind, I'm always like, oh, it'd be so fun to be a food blogger and like just be doing all these things, like recipe testing and like hearing from people that they tried my food and they loved it. That would be so cool. I'd love to also be a pro surfer. I have like a whole dream scenario in my mind where I'm like pro surfer, just like hangs out at the beach and it's like sponsored by like Roxy and Billabong. Oh, it's funny. I'm wearing a Billabong shirt. I just realized, but um, <laughs> it's not sponsored. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> but I, yeah, you like hang out at the beach all day. I also always dreamt about being a magazine editor. Well, I feel like back in the day, if you're like my age, being, being in magazines just seems so cool. Like so devil wears Prada ish, you know? Um, I think because my mom being a doctor, I always thought being a doctor would be incredible. Another thing, by the way, that I would love to just like snap my fingers and be a doctor, but I, my mom went to med school when I was a kid. So I saw what that was like and not, no, I can't, not for me. I can't do it. Right. Like no sleeping. (laughs) She didn't sleep. Thank God my mom didn't care about eating. She just like food to her was like a nuisance. It was like something that had to be done. And I very much do not agree with that sentiment. So she would just be working rounds for like, you know, 18 hours. I think they've since changed some of these rules, but like, oh man, her life was so, so difficult to go through med school. And then afterwards to start a prone practice, it was a lot. And the the responsibility, the liability, it's very stressful. You know, I'd even love to be an actor. Being an actor would be so fun. I went to drama camp for like 10, 10 years when I was a kid. I love acting like for fun. It'd be so fun. It's fun to dream and have little like alternative lives. But when it comes to building your business, choosing your career, designing your path, I think it has to be something that you're passionate about enough that you're willing to do the hard stuff along the way. So with that, I hope that this gave you a little nugget of something to think about today. Um, shout out to the guys uh, at the U.S. Open who made me think about this and um, just think about how it's really easy to see somebody in their, you know, on their highest mountain and think, oh, I just want to be up there, but you're really not willing to climb it with them um, and put in the work that would be required. So I hope this gave you a little something to chew on today. Um, let me know what you thought about this episode and text it to a friend, text a link to this episode to a friend real quick, if you liked it and you think they would too. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in a few days. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi.
just remember that although I am a attorney, I am not your attorney and I am not offering you legal advice in today's episode. This episode and all of my episodes are informational and educational only. It is not a substitute for seeking out your own advice from your own lawyer. And please keep in mind that I can't offer you legal advice. I don't ever offer any legal services, but I think I offer some pretty good information.